0: beginning a new sermon series today. We're going to be uh, taking a walk through the book of Joshua. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. When Moses was leading God's people, he would be ordained as Moses' successor. And so most of his story is told in the book of Joshua. But we don't meet Joshua in Joshua. We meet Joshua in Exodus and, and the other books of the Pentateuch. So we're going to before we jump into the book of Joshua, we're going to take a couple of weeks to look at some of the snapshots of the, the, some of the encounters that Joshua had that helped shape him as a, as a leader and the, some of the lessons that he learned. So we're going to take a look at a couple of them this week and then uh, Pastor Jack Daniel will be here next week uh, bringing the message. And so if you, for those of you who know Pastor Jack, that will be it's always a treat and a blessing for us to have him bring God's word for us. For those who have not met him, he's more than just a man in the portrait hanging on the wall in the rotunda, so you can visit him there, but you'll see him in person next week. so that's always a treat. but um, yeah, so I want to look at these two accounts from uh, young Joshua, his life, part of his spiritual preparation. but all of us, you know we're all in a process of spiritual preparation, of uh, spiritual development. we call it discipleship, that when we come to faith in, in Jesus, we are in a process of being uh, developed and shaped uh, to be more, you know, God's people. God's, it's good news because God's not done with you. He's just, he's working with you, walking with you. As scripture says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And God will finish the good work that he started in your life. And so we're going to look at the things that. God used to develop this young man as a leader. But we need to be careful. You know, Whenever we look at the Old Testament and we look at these accounts, we see these, uh, these great leaders and these great heroes of the faith, and we need to remember that our goal is not to emulate these people necessarily. I mean, to the extent that they were um, trusting God and they were exercising faith, those are things we could emulate. But there's really only one true hero of the Bible, that's God himself. And so we are, our goal is not to become more like Joshua, our goal is to become more like Jesus. And so uh, we're gonna, we always keep that in mind. These are just humans who had strengths and God used powerfully, but they were also um, flawed people in other ways. So we're going to uh, just kind of hold that tension. But today, as we consider what God, you, how God shaped this young man to be a leader, you know, consider how God is shaping you today. And maybe... Maybe today you walk out of here just a little bit different, a little bit more growing towards uh, the person that God is calling you to be in your life. So let's pray as we, as we begin together. So Father, that is why we're here, um, to, both to worship you and give you the glory that you deserve, but also to know that you meet us in that worship and that you uh, shape us and refine us and even change us as you need to, Lord. So we just pray that our hearts would be open to, to that, to your shaping and to your guidance as you teach us through your word, Lord. So we commit ourselves again to you and in this time to you. Use it as you please, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'll give you two lessons in leadership that Joshua got here. The first lesson we, it comes from the first passage there from Exodus 17. The lesson is that the battle belongs to the Lord. And so the background of the story is that so these people had been enslaved, God's people had been enslaved in Egypt and they have just uh, Moses has led them out of Egypt. The Red Sea is parted and they pass through and the, uh, Pharaoh and his army are um, drowned in the, in the water. and so they, they are free on the other side of the sea. and so God um, is providing for them. But they realize pretty quickly, as great as their freedom is that, you know they're in a pretty tough place, out without land, without a real anything to really organize them. They're they're just a bunch of people who just have escaped slavery, and they're complaining. And God provides water for them, and they you know God is providing. But then in comes this battle; these Amalekites come and attack them, completely unprovoked. Later in Scripture, it, it describes how the Amalekites were attacking even some of the the people who are lagging behind in this large mass of people. So. That was probably some of the older or younger people or those who were weak or infirm. Kind of a real nasty way to attack people. And this becomes the first sort of military battle of these people after they've escaped slavery. It won't be their last battle. And in fact, we're going to see a lot of battles. And when we read about battles in the Old Testament, this can be kind of hard because we see here it makes more sense. There's an unprovoked attack and you could see how, you know, they're just defending themselves and how they should be victorious. But there's other times when God's people are called to be on the offensive and to displace people and to take their land and, and to kill. And so this, this raises some questions of faith for us. I'm gonna get, we're going to get to those harder questions as we go through the book of Joshua. But for today, I think what we can see from this battle is that God does not uh, put up with, God does not tolerate rebellion against him. This isn't just one group of people attacking another. The nation of Israel, these people, as God is rescuing them, as God is forming them into a people, they are God's special people. They're his chosen people that God is using to reveal himself to the world. So it's not just a group of people. This is God's salvation and God's blessing to the world through these people so an attack against these people is really an attack against God and that's where you get this really strong language about God wanting to blot these people out for this um, for this attack so uh, so there's a battle Moses said, hey we're going to go up to the hill when Moses puts his his arms out that they, they're winning the battle and Joshua's down there fighting the battle Joshua get some men Joshua's the general he's the commander uh, at the, the, for those who are fighting and and Moses, when his hands are up, they're winning. When his hands fall down, they, they begin losing. I don't know if you've ever done work with your hands over your head, if you do electrical work or even just um, changing a light bulb or you know, people who hang drywall on ceilings, I, I have a lot of admiration for these people. Anything where you're working up over your head, it just kills the shoulders. It's the worst kind of work. God bless you if you do that kind of work. But here, Moses has to, you know, he's realizing he does that. And it was just kind of a, an odd thing. It doesn't say anywhere here in the text that God commanded him to keep his arms up. Uh, but we, we've seen previously, remember in the book of Exodus, when, when Moses held out his staff and held his arms up uh, at the time of the plagues, it was, it was God's power, God's judgment against, uh, the, against Egypt. So here, when Moses' arms raised, we think, okay, here's God's power, here's God's judgment, and that's exactly what we're supposed to see here. That the power in this battle is not the power of Joshua and his the, the men he was fighting with. It wasn't the power of the sword. It was the power of God. And it's, it, that's clear here, that the battle is the Lord's battle. But, interestingly, they still had to fight. It wasn't just Moses you know, sending out the force, you know holding back these attackers it's it's actually playing itself out in a very real physical battle and so it, it really is kind of a picture of how life works we believe that God is supreme and God is working his purposes but we as people we do our part we have to um, take steps of faith and we need to take action in in life but we still so we believe that God is supreme but that we also act in faith and that Mystery of how that works together this is just kind of a picture of that uh, so the battle is the lord's clearly here, but a beautiful picture of these leaders working together in the midst of the battle and, and you have um, these two men who when, when when Moses, when his arms get tired they they sit him down on a rock and they hold his arms up and they, they, they work together so that his arms can be up and that um, they're all working together. It's just a great image. A very emotive image, isn't it? I saw a commercial last night. I think it was a Gatorade commercial. And uh, it was maybe a three-second clip where there was a track athlete who was injured, and then the other track athlete comes and takes, you know, kind of carries them to the finish line. And you just for that little bit of the commercial, like, that's really touching. Like, one person carries another to the end. Or you watch uh, Lord of the Rings and there's Sam and Frodo lying on the slopes of Mount Doom, and Sam is trying to, you know, to get Frodo, you know, to remember the Shire and the good things, and try to get him going, and he can't. And Sam says, "I, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you." And Sam takes Frodo and carries him up the mountain. You've got to love these kind of images. This is, you know, Moses can't hold his arms up, but the people just the support there. It's just a beautiful thing. And and we see that, you know, through this beautiful scene, God wins the battle. It's all about God's power. And that's the lesson for us. Because we face battles in our lives as well. Um, As God's people, our battles also belong to the Lord. Our battles, however, are spiritual battles, not necessarily fighting, physical fighting, but we face spiritual battles all the time. People come to faith in Jesus or they pursue their faith in Jesus and they think, I'm going to do this so that my life will get better. My life will get easier. They, you know, Jesus will improve my life. And in a lot of ways, Jesus will improve your life. But we don't know if your life will get better in faith. We don't follow Jesus because it makes our life better. We follow Jesus because Jesus is the only way. We follow Jesus because He is the way and the truth and He is the the life. So we trust Him and we follow Him and as we follow Him, we face battles. It's described, one of the best places it's described is in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We fight battles in the spiritual realm, and those spiritual battles come all throughout our life. Um, The many situations that you encounter on any given day, those things that seek to draw us away from God's path. It's not necessarily... Our spiritual battle isn't necessarily against all like the major um, institutions of our world it's not our battle isn't you know the direction of our country or the state of the church in the world and all all these massive things. The battleground is often just in the quiet of the human heart there's two powers at war there's the forces of evil and then there's god's spirit to guide us and to protect us and it, it's it's a very personal battle the way we often experience it. There is an enemy, the devil. So we remember, as we go about life thinking about our battles, the battle isn't the people in my life, the battle isn't my family members or my ex or my boss or my grumpy neighbors or who it's none of those. That's not the enemy. The enemy can use people and institutions and but the enemy is, is very personal seeking to destroy God's work in your life. And that attack can come at you in so many different forms. It could um, lies that you believe about yourself or about God, um, temptations that you feel, conflict that arises, things that cause you to doubt God's love, God's goodness, God's forgiveness of you. And sometimes we, we walk in faith. We're surprised at how hard it is sometimes to walk in faith. And, um, but remember, and we need to remind each other that to walk in faith is to walk in battle day in and day out. And we need God's power to be victorious in that battle. So God has given us, as Ephesians 6 describes, armor to put on. It includes things like our salvation and his truth, the truth of his word. It includes um, uh, right living, this Breastplate plate of righteousness that we can wear and right living and, and taking that action. Again, God is victorious, but he's calling us to take action in the midst of that. So that could include um, you know, having support to fight temptation or counseling or recovery or all the steps we take that, so that we can live rightly. The shield of faith that we hold. So when these attacks come and the doubt comes and the lies that we believe, when all those things get shot at us, we, we hold up that shield of faith. Knowing that God is victorious, that God has given us these things. So the question for you is, you know, what does that battle look like for you today? And remember, the battle isn't just your the tough thing that you're facing. Think about Israel; they had a tough thing they were facing. The tough thing that they were facing, were they were a chaotic, unorganized group of people who had very few resources and a lot of complaining, a lot, a lot to complain about. And in the midst of that situation, they were attacked. So for you, maybe the tough thing you're facing, it's a family situation, a health situation, or something at work, or whatever, whatever your thing is. In the midst of you navigating that difficult thing, the arrows come flying in. The attack comes in the midst of whatever it is, you're, the challenge that you're walking through. Those attacks come in. And the lesson for Joshua, and the lesson for us, is that the battle belongs to the Lord. So we take action. We, we trust the things that God has given us to, to battle well. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is that God uses spirit-filled people to accomplish his purposes. That's where we, we see this account from the book of Numbers. So this is, fast forward a little bit. So the, the Israelites... M- set up camp, this group of this unwieldy group of people. They set up camp at Sinai, and that's where God meets with them and gives them his law, and they're starting to become more organized, and they, they start to have a little bit more of a way of life together as a, as a free people under God's direction. And so God uh, calls them to head out from that initial camp, and they're going to move from place to place. And as soon as they get up and start moving, they start complaining again. Moses is frustrated by this. He's frustrated by all the responsibility. so God says, look, you're going to call, you need to call 70 elders, pick 70 leaders, and they're going to work with you to carry this burden, because it was a burden. In, in verse 17 of that passage, it says, they're going to help you carry the burden of the people so that you don't have to carry it alone. You know, it's hard to, when you're a leader and you feel like you're carrying other people's burdens, and and then those people start complaining. That's a real. That's really hard. Like I, I don't know, you parents out there, you know the, the burden of of leading your children and how that can be challenging, and you may not feel up to the task. And then those children start complaining. <laughs> I, I hear that can be challenging. And then um, at work, if you have. Uh, oversight of of people or tasks or employees and you're doing your best and you're trying to create a good work environment and a positive place and then those people start complaining at you, the leader, that can be very discouraging. Complaining can be very discouraging for leaders. And God said, Moses, you need other people around you. It's not all about one leader, you know, one hero. As we read through scriptures over and over again, we see God's work in the world being accomplished through communities of people working together uh, and here Moses appointing elders which became a pattern of leadership in this people in different ways throughout the old testament at the time of Jesus in different ways the early the early followers of Jesus as they were beginning churches all around the world they they appointed elders to lead so this sort of pattern of shared leadership and even today we have a board of elders in this church that helps share leadership responsibilities. Because um, Moses couldn't carry burdens single-handedly. God never calls groups of people to just be you know, one single-handed leader to do all the work. And it's not just people working together, but it's people filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so these, um, God commands Moses to get these elders together. The Spirit is poured out on them. They start prophesying. I don't, I don't have any idea what that looked like or sounded like, but they were speaking or doing something in a way that you could see that the, the work of the Spirit was flowing through these men. But then this strange thing happens. There's two men who weren't with the big group. So they were part of the 70 elders, but they stayed behind in the camp. We don't know why, but they were there. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit hits them, and they're prophesying in a different place. And that's where, jo- that's where our friend Joshua comes in the story. He says, Joshua said, Moses, you got to stop those guys. They're not with us. They're still back in the camp prophesying. You've got to put an end to this. And Moses said, no, Joshua, you don't get it. This isn't about people's allegiance to me. This isn't about uh, my leadership. This is about our, God as our leader. God empowering us by his spirit to do this good work. So he said, those guys back at the camp, I wish everybody would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that all of God's people, verse 29, he says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And sure enough, we live in a day where Jesus told his followers, he said, when my spirit comes, it's going it's to fill all of you, that all of my people will be filled with my spirit. This is going to be a, uh, in a sense, the, we talk about the priesthood of all believers, but the prophethood of all believers that we all have God's Spirit in a way to empower us to be his people. And the prophet Joel promised that it would happen, that it was going to be, that there was a day that was coming where the Lord was going to pour out his Spirit on the young and the old and men and women and all be filled with the Spirit. And that we know that's fulfilled at at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled Jesus' followers. It fulfilled Moses' desire that everybody would have the Spirit and the prophet's prediction of that. And for us, we live in that day where we all of us who follow Jesus are given the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us and to work together and to to give us the gifting and the strength to, to be God's people and accomplish things together. So we are a church that puts high priority on all of us, every one of us, seeking to understand how do I use my spiritual gifts how is God empowering us to be a community, to work together, to accomplish good things? This week I was visited by two uh, space travelers. There's a picture here. There's me sitting at my desk, diligently working on this sermon. And these two space travelers showed up with their space suits and their helmets. And I didn't know quite, you can see my face, I don't quite know what to do with them. But uh, they, of course, are a part of the stellar VBS, and they're getting ready and preparing themselves by doing things like this. And that same day, there was the smell of uh, the spray paint and the cardboard and things being built and props and, and all those the people working together, young people and older people and people in spacesuits, and there's going to be people who do the dances, and there's people who are going to teach Bible lessons, and there's going to be people who help with registration, and people put out the snacks, and people are all going to work together using the, their different strengths and how the Holy Spirit has gifted them to work together to accomplish a big thing. And there's so many, I was just reminded of how many different roles there are, and how many different people it takes to do this VBS. And quite honestly, sort of think of how Joshua was a little bit concerned about these other people who had the Holy Spirit. You know, we work with two big Catholic churches to do our VBS. And some people say, that's a little strange. Didn't we kind of split and part ways with them like 500 years ago? I mean, it seems strange that we, you know, you would work together. And yet, we see a common heart in this. We had, a while back, there was somebody from a Protestant church who said, you know, your VBS is fun, but it's a little too much Jesus. And we said, well, thanks for noticing, I guess, but, yeah, we're not going to apologize for that. That's how we do it. We have a heart to introduce young people to the love of Jesus. We want them to know and experience that. And so we have our Catholic brothers and sisters who also have a heart to see young people meet Jesus, and we're going to work together hand in hand. And that may seem strange, but we are like-minded in that, and we are together unified by the Spirit to do these things. But as a church, we are a community of Holy Spirit-empowered people, and we're going to hold each other up, and we're going to support and carry the burdens together. Um, so everybody, no matter where, people inside the tent, outside the tent, I think even a day like today, you're all gathered here, but there's people online that you're watching. I'm pointing at you. you can, I can see you. I can't see you, but you can see me pointing at you. And um, but we all have a role to play. Because church isn't a spectator sport. So whether you're sitting here or you're at home, especially on rainy days like today, that online attendance tends to go up for some reason. But you know, we all have a role to play. Nobody's just a spectator. This is not a spectator sport. And so we all seek to understand our gifting and how the Spirit has called us to be a people, to accomplish his good work together, whether it's these, you know, big events that we do with the church or things that God calls you to do in your everyday life. Life, the the audience. You're not the audience. God is the audience. When we gather to worship, we sing and we praise, and He's the one who sees it and receives it. He's the audience, audience of one, and we also He meets us in that worship to continue to shape us and and empower us. So we serve. We're people who serve and use those gifts. I think these are pretty good lessons in leadership. That um, the battle belongs to the Lord. And that he uses you know, a community of spirit-filled people together to work together to accomplish his good purposes. I needed this. I, I, I was working through these texts all week, and, and I was worried, and I had all these doubts and all this fear. And I realized, and it wasn't until this morning, I realized, wait a minute, this is, these are attacked. I'm being attacked as I think about these things. And I, I'm, I need God's spirit. To accomplish this task. And I can easily just go into just operating what we call in the flesh, you know, just kind of doing it my way and, and needing God's Spirit to come in. And it, it took all week to learn this myself. This is a lesson for all of us. The battle belongs to the Lord and He uses His community of Spirit filled people to accomplish His purposes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that in your good pleasure, the way that this The way that this world works, the way that your kingdom works in this world is that you are in control and yet you call us to be part of it. You call us to be together, your people, a community of people filled with your Holy Spirit to do good things in this world, Lord. It can be discouraging. We can feel attacked, Lord. And I pray especially for those who just feel like they're losing the battle. Lord, I just pray that you would give strength That you would give the power of your Holy Spirit. That you would uh, give the strength to put on the armor that you give us. That we can know your victory in these things, Lord. And we trust you in that. We pray that you would continue to unite us. That you would continue to see um, beyond what we would expect, Lord. That you are empowering people all around us to work together with us. uh, to, To do these good things, Lord. So may it be, continue to guide us. We thank you that you are Lord of all.